Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 597 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Piller, up in the Blue Mountains. Ross Levitan still away on vacation, and the Sens scouting staff were able to take a vacation on day one of the draft as they traded seventh overall pick in a package to acquire Alex DeBrinkett. But it was no vacation on day two as they made nine total selections from the final pick in the second round all the way to the end of the draft. Lots of intriguing prospects being brought into the organization. So I'm going to give my reaction to all of the picks made by the Ottawa Senators from the second round on to the end of the draft. Let's get into today's episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. Here we go. Today is Friday, July 8th. Thank you for making the Locked On Senators podcast your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all audio podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast, you can find us. And hey, you can watch us on YouTube. And if you want to help the channel grow, the easiest ways to do that is hit the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and tell your friends all about the Locked On Senators podcast as the draft is finally over. The Locked On Senators podcast, Ross and I have covered this extensively. We did a top 64 prospect profiles. We did a four hour long mock draft. We've done countless interviews with prospect uh, analysts, including Scott Wheeler, Tony Ferrari, Chris Peters, Corey Pronman, David St. Louis. The list can go on and on, and there was lots of other guys that joined us in the mock draft to give their insight on some of these prospects. And day two was very interesting as far as I'm concerned, and they were moving quickly. Now, the last couple drafts moved a lot slower because uh, things needed to be done more virtually than in the past. And today, they weren't having any uh, wasted time. It was, okay, make your pick, get off, next team, make your pick. And things were moving quickly. I think even uh, the Sportsnet crew and uh, all the TV analysts were having a hard time keeping up and getting into the flow of things because they're used to having a little bit more time to really profile some of these guys, especially the higher guys up at the top of the second round. But that's not where the Ottawa Senators were picking as uh, they trade the seventh overall pick and the 39th pick to a, and a 2024 third round pick. Don't forget that big part of the deal to acquire Alex Debrinket from the Chicago Blackhawks. Like we talked about, I don't think the scouts were too upset giving a seventh overall and a 39th overall in, I don't want to call it a super weak draft class, but definitely widely viewed as a weaker draft class to get a 40 plus goal score in his prime. The scouts were not too worried about that. And they had their opportunities for the rest of the draft. As I mentioned, they made nine selections. And the first one, starting at pick 64th overall, the final pick in the second round. 
and the Ottawa Senators do something very predictable as far as the Sens go. They pick a big left-hand shot Swedish defenseman in Philip Nordberg. And this is someone that we did not cover in our top 64. It would have been nice if he was the final 64th guy we covered, and that would uh, wrap things up easily. But there's a lot to like about this kid, that's for sure. I don't think Sens fans need to be disappointed with the first pick of the 2022 draft made by this team because he's six foot four, 207 pounds. So he's got that pro frame already. You know the Sens love that. And with his team in the J20 League, I'm going to try to pronounce this, but I'm going to butcher it. Sodertalj with the SKJ20 national team. He played 42 games, six goals, 21 assists, good for 27 points. And he even got to spend some time in the Allsvenskan League. He had nine games there, although he had no points uh, playing there. What scouts are saying and... Um, what I'm learning about this guy is he has good straight line skating speed, which when you're a defenseman, that's good to have when you're trying to lead the rush out of the neutral zone and out of your own end. You can just blow by guys. He's a two-way defenseman that excels more defensively, though, but he can still make good passes under pressure, according to EP. So it's not like he's just a complete shutdown defenseman. He uses his size to shut down attackers. And he has solid defensive awareness. So clearly those are the things that the Sens covet with a big left shot defenseman. He boxes out in front of the net with the best of them. We know Dorian loves that, as he famously said when uh, they brought in Eric Goodbranson. Hey, he cross-checks guys in the back and players don't like that. So having uh, Philip Nordberg be able to do that, that's something that definitely the Senators brass would like. EP scout Jimmy Ham Hamron, uh, he actually scouted a couple of the Sens players in EP's guide. He mentions he played regular third pair minutes in the Allsvenskan League and even saw some penalty killing time. So in the upper league, he was on a bottom pair, but seeing some time on the penalty kill for a young kid is, is pretty decent. And then he played top pair minutes in J20 and in all important situations. So this is a guy that it's going to be interesting to see where he plays next season. Hopefully, he can get some time playing in the Allsvenskan League. As I'm, it, I'm not sure where he's going to play. It looks like, uh, according to EP, it's going to be J20 National again. But he's already done pretty well there, and he could definitely use some more time to hone his skills there. He does have some work to do with his lateral skating and mobility, it seems like. So that's something that all young defensemen, if you're going to be playing big minutes, you have to be a good skater if you're going to have an impact in the pro game. That's for sure. He has a hard point shot and he's able to wait for open lanes. So I think that is kind of a nod to how he is a two-way defenseman. He's able to get the puck towards the net and he's not just going to be taking kind of mindless slap shots at guys' knee pads or shin pads and it's bouncing off into the corners or going wide and creating a turnover. So that's definitely something good to note for Nordberg. I feel like this is a safer pick, right? A classic sense, like I said, good size. Good defensive game along with puck moving skills and some skating upside with his top speed. I think he kind of projects to be a number four defenseman. Now, what I mean by that is he'll play on a second pair, but he might be the lesser of the two on that second pair. And he's going to be the guy that's being more responsible and allowing someone on that right side to be a little bit more risky uh, in an offensive role, joining the rush trying to create offense while Nordberg is able to stay back and really try to play a good responsible game. So overall, I like the Philip Nordberg pick. Do I love it? 
No, especially when we look at uh, some of the guys that Ross and I covered. Like when you're looking at the draft, Lane Hudson went to the Habs a few picks before. As you guys know, Ross was very high on Lane Hudson. He loved the skill that he brought, even as a smaller player. He's so shifty and dynamic with the puck. There's a lot of reasons to like him, but he was off the board. Actually, the Habs drafted a couple of Ross's uh, favorite guys, Owen Beck as well. And uh, we both like Slavkovsky, probably not at first overall, but still, those are some good players that Ross is going to have to learn not to cheer for anymore. You guys probably know where I'm going with this. My guy, Ty Nelson, was still available here. I was banging on the table. I was tweeting out they better take him because the value of a guy like Ty Nelson, yeah, sure, he's a little bit shorter, but he's got that stocky build. He's right around 200 pounds for a guy that was like five foot ten, so he's strong. He had good offensive upside, and he's a right-hand shot defenseman, whereas Norberg is a left shot. There's definitely a premium for the right shot guy, so I thought that would have been much, much better value than Nordberg here. But it's it's very not surprising at all that the Senators went this route instead of swinging on a guy with offensive upside. So overall, uh, if you guys followed along with our prospect profiles, we did a rating out of five stars for the Sens fit and how we feel about these prospects. I gave Philip Nordberg, after doing some research on him, three and a half stars because I see the benefits. I see the size, six foot four, two oh seven pounds. Hard not to like that. And I think he's going to have um, some good opportunities to grow over in Sweden. And there's some things that definitely make him a safer pick that I can see him progressing over in Europe and then maybe coming over and uh, starting things off in the AHL a couple of years down the road. So for Philip Nordberg, Three and a half stars for me. I like the pick. As I mentioned, I think they really, really missed not taking Ty Nelson, especially when he goes only a couple picks after. Seattle, like they did with Shane Wright, was probably running up to to make their pick because that's a guy you cannot allow to slip any further in Ty Nelson. So not a bad start for the Ottawa Senators. At least I wasn't uh, enraged with the pick because sometimes when you're a fan of the Ottawa Senators and you cover drafts and prospects like uh, Ross and I do, it can baffle you when you look at the value they leave on the table. And uh, sometimes it seems like a reach where I wouldn't say this was uh, too much of a reach. That's for sure. Now moving on to their next pick, third round, 72nd overall pick, Oscar Peterson. I'm not sure if it's Peterson or Pedersen. I'm going to go with Peterson for now. And he was a 18, he's an 18 year old player, six foot two, 198 pounds. Are you seeing a trend here above six feet and right around 200 pounds? That's the Sens way. Hey, I don't, I don't knock it. I like uh, picking guys with size. That's for sure. He's a right hand shot, right winger. And he was playing in Rogel over in Sweden. Now, my kind of guess here is that uh, the Sens, and I tweeted out famously that uh, the Senators were going to select Marco Casper with the seventh overall pick. As you guys may know, Marco Casper did play with Rogel over in Sweden. And minutes, minutes later, after I tweeted that out on Twitter at Brandon Pillar One, the Senators traded the seventh overall selection. It was pretty funny because I was very sure they were going to keep the pick after the Matt Murray trade rumors were squashed. I was like, okay. If that's the direction they're going with seventh overall, just keep it and take a guy like Marco Casper, who went to the Detroit Red Wings not far after where uh, the Ottawa Senators could have selected him at seventh overall. So 
getting back to Oscar Peterson, I believe that they probably got a lot of viewings of him when they were checking out uh, Marco Casper with Rogel. And he's been with Rogel for quite a long time. Peterson, that is from 2018 on. He's been a part of their development system. In the J20, in 46 games, he had 25 goals, 11 assists, good for 36 points. Then you check out his numbers in the playoffs. Pretty solid. Six games, three goals, one assist, good for four points. And at the World Juniors, the U18, he had five points in six games, including a goal and an assist in the gold medal winning game. We know Pierre Dorian loves winners, so having a gold medal around your neck, that's got to help him uh, in Dorian's eyes, that's for sure. Let's get into what makes this guy a very interesting prospect. This guy makes a living going towards the net. He is a net front presence that creates chaos, and he drives hard to the net. So that's something the Senators like as well. I think uh, that's something that when we first started covering Zach Astapchuk, that's something we notice is his drive to the net and really forcing and having a focus on getting that puck right in front of the net and not worrying about taking some bumps and bruises along the way. As I mentioned, when you're six foot two, almost 200 pounds, you've got some size and strength, and he uses that to protect the puck when he's driving towards the lane. So you like to see that. Again, some reports from Jimmy Hamron from EP. His scouting, or sorry, his skating needs a lot of work. His top speed is decent, which when you're a guy that just drives hard to the net, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a really good attribute to have because you need to make sure you can burst by guys on the wing. But there are some other attributes of his skating that's going to need some work. His uh, mobility, his edges, things like that aren't quite up to snuff. He really gets the puck towards the net, though. Like I mentioned, he makes a living doing that. But And very rarely did he have games with no shots when I looked at his game notes. Pedersen's not someone, or Peterson, now I'm flipping back and forth with the pronunciation here. We're going to have to get that figured out. He's not someone that's going to wow you with offensive creativity, though. Like He's such a blue-collar player that's going to grind hard in the corners for those loose pucks. He's going to force goals in front of the nets with tips, rebounds, deflections, all those kinds of things. And keep in mind, although I said he's not going to wow you with offensive creativity... 25 goals in 46 games is nothing to scoff at. Even if you're looking at a lesser level league in the J20 over in Sweden, that's still pretty impressive. So that's the profile of uh, Oscar Pedersen here. And let's take a look at some of the players that were picked around him. Devin Kaplan, that was a guy that I liked. Uh, I kind of profiled him similar to Tyler Boucher. He was picked a few spots ahead of him. So very similar power forward type player. I wonder if he was on their radar because Kaplan definitely is a guy that had a lot of sense qualities. And then you guys know I do have a bias towards the Guelph Storm players as uh, that was my old stomping ground. And I actually started my broadcasting career as a volunteer for the Guelph Storm. So they got a soft spot in my heart. So Danny Jokin was still available and he was picked a few picks after Again, that's where I would have liked to see the Sens go because especially when they traded 7th overall and 39th overall, you don't have that high-end offensive talent. And Danny Jokin was a guy that fell all the way down uh, past 72. And he's someone that had that major offensive creativity and he can play on a line with really skilled forwards. So I would have preferred they took a swing that way. But again, when you're looking at uh, a guy from Sweden a power forward that just has a nose for the net and plays that blue collar game. That's very sense like player and someone that, like I mentioned, I think they would have got a lot of viewings when they were scouting Marco Casper over in Rogel. 
So for his send stars, I actually gave him two and a half stars here just because I really think with those first two picks, the Sens should have swung on offensive upside and they did not do that with uh, Nordberg or uh, Peterson here. So that's where I think, sure, these are fine picks, but I think they could have gone in a different direction and maybe tried to go for guys with size and safer projections a little bit farther down in the draft when you're not going to have those guys available with the upside like Danny Jilkin or like Ty Nelson. So that's where just my own personal bias and uh, through the work that we did covering prospects and doing our rankings, that's where I would have liked to see them go a bit of a different direction than they did. But not bad picks at all. And I think the Sen Scouts are going to be very happy that those guys landed in their lap. Now, if you guys are looking uh, at the Sen's roster for next season and you're thinking, wow, Alex Debrinket being added into the roster, into the mix here, they're going to score a lot more goals. Well, you're going to want to head to betonline.net so you can find out all the best odds. I know I'm probably going to be dabbling in the Sens over in more of their games more often than not. And you can find out the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and even where the next fired coach is going to be hired. Betonline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs and is the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the best spot. For all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just hockey, guys. They got basketball, baseball, golf, UFC, boxing, so much. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the actions. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, so those are the first two picks that the Ottawa Senators make. Just to recap, let's take a look here. That was Philip Nordberg at 64th overall and Oscar Peterson at 72nd overall in the third round. Now, the Sens had another selection in the third round, 87th overall, and they decide to go with another defenseman here. And that's not something that we're surprised by, by the Ottawa Senators. And before I even start getting into his profile, you can probably guess that he's around six feet and right around 200 pounds, and their selection at 87th overall is Thomas Hamara. He's a left-shot defenseman, 6 feet, 185 pounds. He is uh, was playing in the Czech League, and I would say this was a really good value pick for the Ottawa Senators, and this is a pick that I liked uh, a bunch from them once I did a little bit of research on Hamara here. He had 8 assists. In six games, sorry, I lost my spot there, at the U18 World Hockey Championship, even getting all-star team honor. So that's pretty impressive right off the bat. And if you're looking at his, his stats in the Czech League, 24 games played, only two assists. But then you look at U20, and he had a lot more success there. In the U20 League, in 32 games, he had six goals and 19 assists, good for 25 points. And he saw decent minutes in two Liga playoff games. Sorry, he was playing over in Liga with Tapara, not in the Czech League. My apologies. He's averaged over 20 minutes a game in the U20 League there, even playing 30 minutes sometimes. So he was playing big minutes when he was playing in the U20 League. And like I mentioned, this guy was not a reach at all. 87th overall, he was 65th on EP's list. So that's pretty respectable. Lassie Alonen, one of their scouts over in Europe, mentions that 
He doesn't quite have top end speed, but he's very mobile and agile on his edges. So maybe he's not able to burst by guys like some of the other players we mentioned, um, but he's going to have a little bit more shiftiness and four-way mobility. He could be a quarterback on a second power play unit. That's kind of his puck skills that he has here. He can join the rush, and he's a decent puck mover. Cam Robinson, a guy we had on our mock draft from EP, mentions how he has above-average puck skills. So where Nordberg is a little bit more defensively prone, when you're looking at Hamara here, he's going to have a little bit more of an offensive touch to him, which I think is a nice way to swing for the Ottawa Senators. He's probably the best prospect the Sens got in this draft, honestly. Like, it seemed like he was one of the more well-known guys. A lot of reviews I saw from his scouting reports were very positive. While he doesn't really excel in any one spot, he's a very safe player because he plays a smart game. He's already logging big minutes, and he has some pro experience, like I mentioned, playing over in Liga, not in uh, Chechia, like I, I thought so. But... I think he projects to be a number five defenseman. And what I mean by that is he's the better guy on a bottom pair. Like he's, he's the guy that is going to be able to make those risks and play with a little bit more offensive touch on a bottom pair. And I think when he has a decent size, like he does at six feet, 185 pounds, I think that he can really turn into a nice prospect, even especially if he grows a little bit more and, I think he's going to be a part of second special team units, whether that's a second power play unit or a second penalty kill unit. I think there's definitely some opportunity for Thomas Hamara to make a statement on uh, the special team side of, of the game here. So when I'm looking at how many stars I gave him for Thomas Hamara, I gave him three stars because I think it was good value at that spot. Like I mentioned, 65 on EP's list. They got him at 87th overall. He's someone that has a lot of projectable skills that can allow him to become a pro defenseman, but he doesn't wow you. So I didn't really feel like they took a swing on any upside here. They just took kind of another decently sized left shot defenseman, which, hey, nothing wrong with having a lot of uh, solid defensemen in your prospect pipeline, but I wouldn't mind trying to take a bit of a swing on some bigger attributes here, but I do like Thomas Samara, and I'm excited to see how things go. And it'll be interesting to see where he ends up playing if uh, now that he's in the Sens organization here. Moving on to the next pick, the fourth round, 104th overall selection. And it is Stephen Halliday. Stephen Halliday played with the Fighting Saints in the USHL. And... Look at this. He's got some size. Shocker. Not only some size, a lot of size. This guy is six foot four, 209 pounds, left shot, and he plays center. Now, the reason maybe you're like, wow, six foot four, 209 pounds, that's a big kid. He is a 2002 birthday. So this was his last year of draft eligibility. He is committed to Ohio State next season. That'll be interesting to see him in the NCAA. And he won the USHL Gentleman of the Year Award. So the Ottawa Center is keeping with uh, uh, good character players and trying to keep that culture intact as they draft Stephen Halliday here. EP was very high on his puck handling skills and hockey IQ, even calling him a genius in a few different spots. So that's 
that's very impressive. Like they don't usually use hyperboles uh, too often. So for Mitch Brown to rave about his creativity with the puck gives me a lot of reasons to be optimistic. He's able to use that six foot four, two hundred nine pound frame to protect the puck. You love seeing guys that have that size and aren't afraid to use it to give them advantages against their opponents. And he has the confidence to deep through opponents and set up his line mates. Now, as EP is, they focus a lot on the skating. So I know I said Mitch Brown loved uh, his uh, play with the puck, but almost every report that I saw Mitch Brown do, he ends it off saying the skating is going to hold him back. Skating's not good enough. Needs to work on skating. It was always kind of, he had genius plays with the puck here and there, but if his skating doesn't improve, it's kind of all for naught here. And I did watch some highlights of him on YouTube with the Fighting Saints. And he does look a little slow out there. He's lumbering out there. But when he gets the puck on his stick, like he was toe-dragging guys. He was passing it to himself off the boards and then getting around a chip-and-chase uh, style. And he's just so creative that even though he doesn't get it done with his foot speed, he can outsmart guys and outmuscle them too with that big frame. So... I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he does in the NCAA. He was older and stronger than most players in the USHL. That allowed him to put up big points. Did I don't think I mentioned his point total, so it's very impressive. 62 games played, 35 goals, 60 assists, good for 95 points in the USHL. So definitely at a point now where he's been there a couple of years and he is dominating. Yeah, this is his fourth year actually in the USHL and his point totals you're looking at 34 38 48 and then 95 so he really exploded onto the scene this year as he should when you're that much older and bigger than a lot of these players he was a plus 29 and in only two playoff games he had five assists so definitely time for uh for Stephen Halliday to move on here I can't wait to see if the NCAA will really stagnate his development here. Like you mentioned, the skating is going to need a lot of work. There's great skaters in college. I think he's going to need at least two seasons in college. And he's going to Ohio State, so a decent program. And if we're looking at value for picks around him, at this point in the draft, 104th overall, there was not many guys from Ross and I's 64 uh, top-ranked guys. But there was one. Matt's Lindgren, and he was a defenseman I actually liked, and we had him ranked 56 overall. Now, would the would I want the Sens to take another left-hand D after they've taken uh, quite a few already and already have a decent amount in the, in the prospect pipeline? No, so I'm okay they didn't go with Lindgren here, and I like the fact that they went with Halliday. I know he's an overager, and I know sometimes uh, prospect analysts, they kind of scoff at that, like, why would you use um, a fourth round pick on an overager that might have just fallen to you or you could have just signed. If he's the Sens guy, I don't mind this pick. 95 points in the USHL, that's pretty damn good. So I think he projects as a top six AHL guy. I the the puck play is there and you can see it in the highlights, but when you're six foot four and over 200 pounds, if you're such a terrible skater, it's going to be very hard for you to keep up as you keep on progressing. Like going from the USHL to the NCAA is going to be interesting. Then NCAA to the AHL is going to be a big change. So I really don't think uh, he's going to be able to make it all the way to the pros here. But you know what? 
I like that the Sens took a swing on creativity, offensive potential here, because they usually don't do that, even if it was an overager. I like the idea here. So for Stephen Holiday, I give him three stars. Solid pick, good offensive upside, but the skating is definitely going to be an issue, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can overcome that with some time. All right, this is now probably the most interesting pick the Sens made all day and another classic, classic Sens pick. But nonetheless, I think they got some good value here as well. And in the fifth round, 136th overall, they select from the Hamilton Bulldogs, Jorian Donovan. And now if you're thinking Donovan, I recognize that name. Yeah, former Sens, Sean Donovan, and player uh, development coach, Sean Donovan, that is his son. And you start looking and you see a lot of comparables. Six foot two, 181 pounds, and a hard compete level. He's a left shot, left defenseman. In 64 games with the Hamilton Bulldogs, he had three goals, 19 assists, good for 22 points. And then in 13 playoff games, he had a goal and two assists, good for three points. Now, he comes with some decent pedigree too. He was the sixth overall pick in the 2020 OHL draft. So, Definitely, that's a big deal, and uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs were very high on him. He won an OHL championship with Hamilton. Again, Pierre Dorian likes winners, so uh, right away you can highlight that for him. EP ranked him 73rd on their guide. So you talk about value here. A fifth-round pick, 136th overall, and EP was pretty high on him here, and for a lot of good reasons. He had average ratings in all skills except better skating and better puck handling. So usually when you get down to the fifth round, you're kind of hoping guys have one or two better than average skills like Donovan with the skating and puck handling. But usually there's a downside like what we talked about with Halliday. The skating is so bad that it kind of weighs them down here. That's not the case with Jorian Donovan here. And Mitch Brown had a lot of positive things to say about his skating. So you can tell this is why he was ranked so high by EP because they love the skating. He can join the rush, but he doesn't always do it enough or at the right times. But this is still a very young prospect. You got to keep that in mind. Uh, an 04 birthday, and he had been playing. Uh, this is just his first year in the OHL playing with the Canada Lasers a couple years ago and uh, Upper Canada Cyclones. So he's no stranger to the Ottawa area, that's for sure. And playing in Hamilton, that's a great landing spot for him, especially sixth overall. He plays a smart game defensively and competes hard. Obviously, you're going to compete hard when Sean Donovan's your dad, that's for sure. Look, I think there's solid potential for Donovan. I think he's a responsible, smart, hardworking, two-way defenseman with good skating and size. If you can combine responsibility, good skating, and size together, you have a chance to be a decent uh, defenseman if you put the work in. And I think he'll likely uh, spend two seasons in junior. Probably two more seasons with the Hamilton Bulldogs would be a great thing for him. Now, I know some people, they roll their eyes at the friends and family aspects of the Ottawa Senators. And you know what? Maybe that's not how a lot of other teams operate. But I love it, honestly. Like, 
Building a culture is so important to have a good hockey club. When Alex DeBrinkett uh, spoke to the media today, he mentioned how Brady called him, Thomas Shabbat called him, obviously the leaders of the organization. You love to see that. But he mentioned that they were all men- talking about how great the locker room culture is and, and that he's someone, DeBrinkett, someone that's going to come in and fit in. And a big part of that is drafting and developing guys that are going to want to be there John Donovan's kid is going to want to be there. He's going to work hard. And guys that can all get along. I mean, it sounds funny to say, but it's just like any other working culture. You want to have good people, high character guys, as Pierre Dorian likes to say. So if it means drafting Sean Donovan's son with the 136th overall pick, that's fine. I don't mind that at all. And this wasn't a reach at all. I don't think anyone was out there being like the Sens reached just to get uh, an employee's kid here. That's not the situation. Even if he wasn't Sean Donovan's son, this is a guy the Sens would target. Over six feet, 181 pounds, left defenseman, smart, hardworking. That's typically their MO for prospects. So I like this pick a lot. I think they got, this is probably, I mentioned how, um, Earlier, Thomas Hamara was the best prospect they got out of here. I still think Hamara might be ahead of Donovan. However, Donovan was the best value, in my opinion, because I think there's a lot of upside here. And for a fifth round pick, that's a great selection by the Ottawa Senators. So welcome to the Sens organization, Jorian Donovan. Now continuing in the fifth round, 143rd overall. It's Cameron O'Neill, 18 years old, 6'1", 194 pounds. He's a right shot, right winger. And he comes from a spot that maybe a lot of people haven't heard of, and that's the Mount Charles Academy. It's a U18 spot. And do you like points? Well, Cameron O'Neill at Mount Charles can definitely put a smile on your face. Then listen to these stats, guys. 62 games played. 57 goals. You heard that right. 57 goals. I did not mess that one up. 76 assists. Good for 133 points. Let that sink in. 133 points in 62 games. Wow. Now, of course, that's at a much lesser competition level. And he did also get a cup of coffee in the USHL with the Tri-City Storm. Four goals. Sorry, four games played, one goal, one assist, two points. Not bad at all. And if you're wondering about the Mount St. Charles uh, program or Mount Charles program, sorry, Brian Burrard and Brian Boucher are both players that came out of that program. So definitely uh, some NHL um, players coming out of there. And he is committed. Cameron O'Neill is committed to UMass. So he's going to be heading to the NCAA. He was a play driver in the U18 program, duh, with 133 points. That makes a lot of sense. Mitch Brown applauded his play away from the puck when he went to the USHL, which that's something that really impressed me. Because when you're a guy that's lighting it up in a lesser league, 133 points in 62 games, I thought he'd be trying to play hero when he goes up to the USHL. I thought he'd be a guy that's getting the puck on his stick, beaver uh, beaver tapping for those passes in open spots. But 
it wasn't that he was just trying to force offense. He could play really well away from the puck and he can play well in transition. He, uh, Mitch Brown mentioned how sometimes he would get passes on his backhand, off the boards, in his feet, and he would be able to pick those up in stride and keep on going. So that's pretty impressive for a guy that was bouncing uh, up to a higher competition. Being in the lesser levels, though, they did cause him to have some bad habits. Like he's forcing risky passes. He's trying to make passes that aren't there. He's not hitting guys in stride, stuff like that. Just things that when your opponent's uh, defensemen in other leagues aren't as uh, quick, as big, as experienced, you can make those risks. And usually if they don't work out at at least it's not going to be a big turnover going the other way. You can have a little bit more of a leash in those lesser leagues. So that makes sense. And that's something with time he's going to be able to work out. He's only 18 years old, so he's got a lot of time. And he's going to be playing at a decent program in UMass. So that'll be good for his development for sure. I kind of wish he would have another season in the USHL. I mean, like I mentioned, he only had four games. So it'd be nice to let him develop there a bit more. But he certainly has some offensive upside, and that's going to translate, uh, will, or will it translate, I should say, to higher levels. That's where it, it remains to be seen how it's going to go for Cameron O'Neill. So an interesting prospect for sure. I gave him three stars here because <laughs> he put up big points. There's a lot of upside. Sure, it's a project, but it's a fifth-round pick, and they swung on offensive upside here. And Mitch Brown's comments about his play away from the puck, that gave me some um, some peace of mind knowing he's not just all an offensive player. So, decent pick here. Now we move on to their next pick. Finally, guys, we're a hashtag goalie-friendly show, and the Ottawa Senators in the fifth round with the 151st overall pick select Kevin Riedler, a massive, massive goalie playing over in Sweden. And he listened to his dimensions here as this is a guy that is six foot five, 176 pounds playing over in Sweden. I'm just pulling up his uh, EP page here. And on his EP page, actually, he's listed at six, six, 201 pounds. So this is a big goalie and the Sens, they love their big goalies. As we know, they selected the great Dane Mad Sogard. So that's not a surprise at all. I was hoping they would go with Hugo Havlid, uh, the twin brother of another prospect that was selected and a bit of a shorter guy, but he put up good numbers, but they didn't go that direction. Hugo still available. Maybe they'll scoop him up later though. Kevin Riedler, let's get back to him. He was playing with... The ALK J20 team, I'm not familiar with them uh, over in Sweden, but not a lot to go off here as he's a guy that was picked later in the draft. You're looking at, uh, he got a couple of J20 games, three games, 4.33 goals against average, 0.847 save percentage, not great, but when he was playing in the J18 national 3.13 goals against average, sorry, and a .910 save percentage. So that's much better. And he had a winning record at 7-4. and four. He did get a couple playoff games there, two playoff games, 3.05 goals against average, .922 save percentage. So the save percentage is definitely something to look at there. 9-10 and a 9-2-2 in the J18 National League. So not too bad numbers there. 
Honestly, there's not a whole lot uh, that I have on this guy. Sense Prospects, he had, uh, follow him on Twitter at Sense Prospects. Of course, he had one highlight of him, a nice save on a shootout attempt, and the boys were buzzing when he made the glove save in the celly. He does have some bloodlines. Uh, his grandfather, Hakan Wickberg, he played a decent amount of time in Sweden. So definitely there's something that uh, you can go off there. But other than that, I don't have a whole lot on Kevin Riedler. We're going to try to do some uh, dig deeper dives on him later on when Ross gets back and when we can find some more info on him. But just wanted to make sure we covered him because he is attendee and you guys know we're a hashtag goalie friendly show. Moving on to the next pick, the sixth round, 168th overall selection for the Ottawa Senators, and that is Theo Wahlberg. Another defenseman here. So the Ottawa Senators selected Philip Nordberg, Thomas Samara, Jorian Donovan, and now Theo Wahlberg. That's their fourth defenseman that they selected. And another Swedish guy, another guy with size, six foot three, 187 pounds. And nothing, like I mentioned before, nothing wrong with having a, a lot of bigger defensemen, that's for sure. And he was playing with Skleftia in the J20 League in 46 games. He had two goals, 21 assists, good for 23 points. And he was a plus nine. He got two playoff games, no points there, though. And interesting move here as he's going to go to the Fighting Saints. That's the second player drafted by the Ottawa Senators going to the Fighting States in the U.S. Fighting Saints, sorry, in the USHL next year. And then the year after that, He's committed to Ohio State University. So another Sens prospect that's going to be going to Ohio State. So I know uh, for Ross and I, we love seeing Sens prospects being bunched up in one area. It makes covering them a lot easier. I don't have a whole lot of information on Theo Wahlberg at the moment. Again, that's a guy we're going to try to take a deeper dive into, try to get some um, some intel from scouts and some of our uh, uh, guests on our shows to try to get some more info for you. But Theo Wahlberg, big Swedish left shot defenseman, drafted by the Ottawa Senators, 168th overall. And the final selection for the Ottawa Senators in the 2022 draft, the seventh round, 206th overall, is Tyson Dick. He's a centerman, 5'11", 166 pounds, Played in the BCHL with Cranbrook. Cranbrook, beautiful area. If you haven't been there, he plays with the Cranbrook Bucks. That's uh, where the Winnipeg Ice, the Kootenai Ice, used to play in Cranbrook. So definitely um, that town's used to having some hockey going on there. And in 54 games, he had 34 goals, 41 assists, good for 75 points. Those are some pretty impressive point totals. Now the BCHL is a bit of a lesser league, but they've been having a nice boost lately. Like the in the past like five years, there's been some decent players drafted out of the BCHL. So it's not a league to really scoff at, that's for sure. And then in six playoff games, it four goals, one assist, good for five points. So he was able to keep production going in the playoffs. He's committed to UMass, yet another player at UMass. So the Senators, uh, they're doing Ross and I some big favors here. Not a lot, whole, whole lot more I can tell you about Tyson Dick at the moment, but it's nice to see that he's putting up big points in the BCHL because that's pretty solid. And UMass, another great program in the NCAA. So that concludes all of the draft picks. Uh, I'm over 40 minutes here uh, covering the nine 
new Ottawa Senators from the 2022 draft. So just to recap, let's take a look at who they selected. 64th overall, Philip Nordberg. 72nd overall, Oscar Peterson. 87th overall, Thomas Hamara. 104th overall, Stephen Halliday. 136th overall, Jorian Donovan. 143rd overall, Cameron O'Neill. 151st overall, Kevin Riedler. 168th overall, Theo Wahlberg. And 206th overall, Tyson Dick. So that is your new Ottawa Senators draft class for the 2022 NHL draft. Welcome to all those players to the Ottawa Senators organization. I didn't see any kind of hateful comments or people on Twitter being uh, negative about picks. So that was nice for a change. I'm sure if they kept 7th and 39th overall, we might have had some of that. But that didn't happen this year, so that was refreshing. The Senators have Alex Dabrinkit. Honestly, I would say this, the Senators could have drafted players we've never heard of and with no upside for the rest of the draft and acquiring Alex to would have been fine and they would have got a great grade from me for this draft because for them to get a player of that caliber while only giving up 7th and 39th and then a third round pick later on down the road, who cares? That's incredible value. And like I mentioned, there were some players here that I really liked and that I think are going to have some upside no one's going to step into the NHL next year, obviously. I would say probably not even a year after that. We're looking two, three years down the road for a lot of these prospects. But the Ottawa Centers are in a position where they can be patient. They can use development coaches like Sean Donovan to help these guys move along. And if the guys are prospect or projects, that's fine. Working on skating, working on being smarter defensively, all these kinds of things. There's no rush for any of these guys. So... I'm excited to have finally finished the draft. It's been a lot of work for Ross and I, especially with Ross away during the draft. This is the busiest period for us uh, in the offseason, that's for sure. But it's been a blast covering it. I'm so happy for all these new kids coming into the organization. Thanks for following along and listening to this long solo episode. 46 minutes uh, around is where we're at here. So Thank you for following along, guys. For myself, Brandon Piller, and Ross Levitan, this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.